0: Hey, folks, just a reminder that the Licker Lamp Podcast is now available on Stitcher. You can download the app and you can share us, you can rate us, you can review us, you can link us to your friends, and you can have us on the go. That's the Licker Lamp Podcast, now available on Stitcher. All right, let's do this, people. I really need this to work, please. It's time for the Licker Lamp Podcast with JoJo Lewis. Hey folks, welcome to the liquor Lamp Podcast with Jojo Lewis. I am Jojo Lewis. Welcome to the liquor Lamp Podcast, episode 29. So happy you guys downloaded us on iTunes. I'm so glad you guys got the Stitcher app and were able to, you know, rate us and review us and share us and link us. Every review we get uh, on Stitcher, well that increases how many people get to see the podcast when they look up, hey, what's a good podcast to listen to? And they find the liquor Lamp. I'm Jojo Lewis. Um, if you haven't followed me on Twitter at Bucky Gums, you might want to do that because occasionally I tweet something that might be interesting. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, anyway, you guys, today on the show, I'm uh, talking to the uh, very interesting Stephen Ferris. Uh, Stephen, what do you guys want to do? Ferris, he's got a website, what do you guys want to do dot com. He's kind of a he's kind of an institution here in uh, Sacramento comedy. And we're going to get to that interview in a second. In the meantime, I just want to bring up something kind of cool that happened to me this week. Uh, not just to me, to the town. Um, Tig Notaro, who is uh, one of my personal comedy faves. Uh, she's absolutely hilarious. She has uh, two albums out right now. The first one is called uh, Tig Notaro Good One. And the uh, second one is titled uh, Tig Notaro Live. Uh, the second one is is relatively important because the second one was originally released on uh, Louis C.K.'s website uh, for five dollars, and it was voted, I think, by Laughspin to be like the best comedy album of 2013 or 2012. It was an impressive album, needless to say. And uh, she had, or she is, a, a very funny comedian her comedy style is very uh, deadpan and it's very fun to listen to. Uh well, here's the thing. She originally canceled a show that was supposed to be here in May. She rescheduled it for November. November rolls around, she cancels the show again. And the reason she canceled the show is uh she had a cyst uh inside of her that basically ruptured. She was she was bleeding internally and it was really touch and go situation, which is extremely scary. And uh, she rescheduled it for two months. And the show in Sacramento was the first show uh, that she did since she was sick. And uh, it's kind of crazy how good she was for being basically, you know, on a ho- in a hospital bed for about you know, a couple weeks, a couple months, whatever it was, uh, just because it, it was so good. It was such a good show. She was on stage for something like like an hour 10, hour 15, and it was incredible. She could control the crowd in a great way. She's, she's become an amazing storyteller, and the, the structure of jokes is all there, and it was just a great show. And here's the thing, guys. Uh, I live in Sacramento. I'm kind of lucky. Uh, we're not a huge town, but we do get some relatively big-time talent through here there's there's two uh, three comedy clubs in town there's an amphitheater and there's a bunch of smaller theaters where shows happen and uh, honestly I think that's really great uh, pl- it's a really great thing if you're a purveyor of the art of standup, because it, stand-up is, is best live uh, I don't you know you can watch a great special and that's wonderful great specials are great I suggest you all Watch them, listen to them, have your favorites. But that's not thats not really the experience of stand-up. Not entirely. That's a microcosm of what it truly is. It's best, absolutely at its best, when you're in the same room while it's happening. The hour of time, you know, hour ten that uh, Tig did uh, at her show was stuff that was not on any of her albums. Some of it seemed like she was still working it out. And even in that sense, it was, it was great. Um, but I'm glad I got to go to the show mainly because TIG's one of those people who is outstandingly good at standup and her health is somewhat diminished in, in recent years. Uh, I got to take a picture with her and I it struck me how incredibly small she was. Um, if you if you've heard her albums, you know she suffered quite a few uh, health problems. She had a C diff, which basically her intestines ate themselves. Then she had uh, breast cancer in both breasts, and uh, just recently this thing with with the internal bleeding. And it's it's kind of. As just as a human being, that's very tragic and somewhat terrifying that, that all this stuff happened to this woman. Um, But even more so, she's one of those people who, I mean, you, you should if you get the opportunity, see her because she's absolutely incredible. And the re- like I realized this when I heard her show was canceled the first time I was actually scared that I would not get to see her. Ever like I wouldn't get that opportunity. Um, You got to imagine that like what what would it have been like if you had been there to see a show with Like who's your favorite comic? Is it someone that you actually saw in real life yet? Uh, If not, man, you should do it because that's the true the absolute way that you're supposed to see them. If you don't see them live, you don't really get to see them and I, I feel really lucky that I got to go to this show uh, to see Tig Nataro. because now, no matter what happens, I have a memory of seeing her live the first night after she got out of the hospital in uh, 2015, which, to me, is a valuable memory, because not everyone's going to be able to talk about that they got to see Tig live. I know there's going to come a point and I'm it's sad but there's going to come a point when Tig won't be around anymore and people are going to discover her as well they should because she's absolutely hilarious and uh, and brilliant and they're going to talk about how you know how great it would have been to see her live and then I can be like I did see her live and it was great I'm just trying to you know put it into perspective if you have the time and the resources to go see a a live comedian or or any artist that you really like, you have a chance to see them live, dude, go do it. Um, Because if you don't, you're going to kick yourself after they kick it. So yeah, go take advantage of that. Anyway, uh, that's my soapbox this week. Uh, I'm glad you guys listened to it. Let's get on with this interview. The very interesting Stephen Ferris. Uh, This is a good talk. And actually, this this talk... um, more than than quite a few i've done brought me some kind of understanding of the comedian i was talking to that i don't think anyone truly has so uh yeah let's get on with it here's my talk with steven ferris have a listen
1: i think i'm mostly doing pretty good Yeah. yeah
0: yeah Let's try this. This is an interview trick. What did you have for breakfast today?
1: Um, I had a bowl of rice, uh, just white rice, in a glass container that previously had a special hot sauce that I made for Thanksgiving. Uh huh. And my parents don't really eat a whole lot of hot stuff. And they were like, I was at my parents' house. Right. And they were like, well, here, why don't you take the rest of your hot sauce home with you? And I was like, all right. So they put it in a plastic container for me. And then I used the glass container that it was in to eat the rice out of, so that I'd use up the rest of the sauce that was in there.
0: Creative, yeah. creative. And I Good put some sriracha it. on it too. Okay, so you had a bowl of rice. Was it was it as spicy as you could handle? Oh no, not at all. Okay, you're not a spice guy. Um,
1: <clears throat> well, I am. So it was like way less than. Oh, okay. I can handle. Okay.
0: Are you close but, with your parents? Like, do you spend a lot of time with them? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I usually go visit them like every weekend or so. Okay. So. are they local, like nearby? About forty five minutes. Like uh
0: Marysville? Uh Meadow Vista. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what is wh- so you did you grow up in, in Meadow Vista? I did, yeah. Okay. What kind of kid were you growing up? Um If you had to characterize it, like into the typical like breakfast club setup of archetypes. Well, I don't know. I guess
1: uh, I was kind of a loner in a lot of ways. I had a few friends, but I, I never really fit in in school or anything like that. Yeah. Then, so I'd spend most of my time, you know, working on various hobbies and playing outside and, and uh, you know, riding my bike around the neighborhood and stuff like
0: that. Uh-huh. Like, what, what What were some of your hobbies growing up? Is Was trains one of them?
1: Yeah, trains was one of them, and uh, model cars I got really into for a long time. Okay. Um, and, you know, then I got into computers, you know, in my early teens. Uh-huh. So.
0: Like, programming or actual, like,
1: fixing shit, or, like, fucking with it on the inside? Um, More mm-hmm. stuff on the inside, and I never really got into programming until, um, I don't know... Even in even in high school, like I did some web design, but I I didn't really program a whole lot because uh-huh. I was always kind of afraid of it. So I would use you know programs that generate that stuff for you. Right. And then eventually, I wasn't I wasn't satisfied with the amount of control that those programs gave me, and I didn't like that they added extra stuff in there that you didn't need. Uh huh. So I started writing it myself, and that was just like HTML and stuff like that. Just basic. basic stuff. Right. Right. And then you know i i started dabbling in javascript and then from there um i think i did some uh Perl, mm-hmm. and then taught myself php over a summer interesting yeah
0: so you're kind of like one of those self-taught computer computer guys of the <laughs> yeah i mean of I, that old, of that generation really <laughs> i guess so i i took a few
1: classes and stuff like that to get me started okay but um the rest of it I pretty much taught myself. Interesting. I
0: want to point out that um, I've been to a lot of comedian apartments. I've seen a lot of places. I mean, and what's strange is they always end up kind of matching whoever the person is in a very real way. And this is pretty much like none, none, nothing surprises me (laughs) in the Stephen Ferris apartment. (laughs) Like it's so it's uh. It's so, like, multifaceted in a crazy way yeah. that kind of has a rhythm to it. Like, there's a, there's a canoe that's just kind of hanging, which is impressive. Creat- creative use of space. There's, uh, I see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hanging from some stuff. I think that's an iPad over your refrigerator. Uh, that's an old uh, G4 iMac. <laughs> Does it do
1: anything? Uh it does work, but it's the slowest one that was ever made okay so i I don't use it I just they're neat to look at, so I just kind of put it there for decoration,
0: okay. It seems like you have kind of like a really like there's an emotional vibe to the way that this place feels. Does that okay. make sense like yeah. it's it's like it's it's not it's laid out in an organized way but kind of in like a zen organized way like did you put much thought into how you organize this room oh yeah, and yeah. I mean.
1: Uh, the way it is now, it's, it's been for a while, but it, it always evolves because there's always something that bothers me where I I feel like I don't know where something should go. You know, I like to keep things organized and, um, so if there's something, I'm like, where should I put that? And then I'll think about it a lot. And then maybe one day something hits me and I'm like, okay, I know where it should go. And I'll have to rearrange all of, I'll have to rearrange all of this in order for it to okay, to, so, together so. So you know. kind of like
0: if you want something in a place you're like I have to re-, you'll reorganize the whole room to get it just right. Yep. Okay. That's interesting to me. Do you do you, and it doesn't feel right until it gets into the right spot? Mhm. Okay. That's kind of odd to me. It's <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of well it leads it leads uh Are you an impulsive guy? Mm, I don't think so. Oh. No. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs>
1: Maybe once in a while, but not, not to um, any unhealthy level.
0: Not like a negative impulse, but is there, is there ever something where you see and you're like, I want to know how to do that, or I want to have that thing, and you just kind of get solely focused on, on every aspect of it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Give me an example. Um, Other than just the layout of this apartment, which is pretty amazing.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't know if this really fits, but okay, so... um. You know, I have a, a 1979 Cadillac Sedan DeVille. Right. And, you know, it's got white wall tires and stuff. And But I also like you – know, I have a 2003 Ford Focus uh-huh. with the SVT Ford Focus suspension kit. And so, you know, handles real tight and all that. And I like that. And um, I've done some suspension modifications to the Cadillac to make it handle better. Interesting. Did you do them yourself? Uh, well – I didn't install the springs or the shocks myself. I installed the suspension kit on the Focus myself, but um, I have done some stuff on the Cadillac myself as far as the suspension goes, and I'll probably do all the rest of it myself. Okay. Um, you know, but they don't really make white wall tires that are good performance tires. Okay. Right? And there's a dwindling selection of white wall tires that you can buy anymore anyway because they're not very popular. Um so, my thought was, and instead of having a, a 15 inch wheel with a big white wall tire on it, yeah, if you want I mean for performance, you want to have a, a shorter sidewall anyway, so why not get an 18 inch wheel and get one that has a flat edge on it, uh-huh, and paint the edge white, paint the rest of the wheel black. And then take the the wheel cover from the 15 inch wheel and find a way to attach it to the 18 inch wheel.
0: Oh, okay. So and you then, kind of
1: make a wheel mod. Right. So it looks like it's a 15 inch with a white wall, kind
0: of. But it really, it's it's this 18 inch wheel that you modded yourself. Right. Okay. Interesting. Right. Interesting. That's like a uh, that's the that uh what is that expression? I can't even think of it. It's like you see the you see the problem. You're like, what can I do to make it seem? That's how this kind of came about. This all this. Yeah. <laughs> just all this, this garbage. This this is basically like scrap equipment that I pieced together. It was like what do I need it to be able to do? And all right, like these things. They're just I had to get like a they don't make the like this ring. This isn't non standard size. So okay. I had, to, I had to get like a big like septic tank pipe, cut it down, and then like sand it and strip it and then make this little nodule thing. And then get a bunch of hair ties. Yeah, and just clip it, clip it in, so these can stay suspended in midair. But it's interesting. It's like you see, like, uh, it's a weird practice. Like you see a problem, and then you don't try to find the most basic, like, pay money solution. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's probably a company that you could have called and been like, "I need white wall tires," and they would have been like, "Oh yeah, that'll be two thousand dollars." Yeah, no, and it's like no, a there's... simple, simple way to do it. And right. it's like not nah, there's no, there's no fun there. <laughs> yeah, there's a challenge to it.
1: Well, I mean, the other option is you can get um, white letter tires. Yeah. And there's some better performance tires with white letters. And then you can go and you can have a place shave the white letters down. And the way that they make tires is, is that if you have a white letter tire, uh-huh. it's always a
0: solid white strip underneath that. Oh, and then it's like the the black like rubber stuff on the outside. Or right. Like, yeah.
1: So when you shave them down, then you can have a nice white wall.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: But um, – and – you know it's just a very thin layer of black over that, uh-huh, so it doesn't really hurt the integrity of the tire at all,
0: oh yeah, yeah, I imagine it wouldn't just but given the avoids your warranty <laughs> <laughs> it's not It's not about the warranty, it's about the chase right it's about getting it to look just right <laughs> well, all right, man um so here's a a question that uh was posed to me to ask to you by some other people. Okay. Because, uh, it is, it's, because this happened before I came on the scene in any way. What was the evolution of the, uh, the, what do you guys want to do? That concept. Um, I don't know that it evolved a
1: whole lot. Uh-huh. Uh huh. previously to that, I had always done my act. Well, not always, but I had done my act mostly where I had a sheet of, of, uh, blank pieces of paper or or a stack of blank pieces of paper Uh and i would pretend that i was reading everything i said off of those yeah and that i wasn't very good at reading so it was just kind of this uh you know very very monotone you know stumbling through it you know as if i didn't even write them myself somebody else wrote these and right right i'm just some guy trying to read them So then I'd kind of be surprised. Well, not even necessarily surprised by the punchlines, but I just wouldn't even know where they were. So it was funny and it was fun, but it was also kind of like it got old after a while. Okay. You know? And so then I would try doing just regular stand-up without that. But I just, uh, I think it felt kind of pointless to me. I was like, what's the point of this? Like, sure like i can do you know original jokes that are specific to me but i don't feel like i'm really doing something special and i want to do something special
0: so you could you could make jokes that were funny but didn't do any but didn't seem to you like they were doing anything uh, more than that they were just funny for the for the sake of it yeah
1: that <clears throat> and then i didn't like like growing up i would watch stand up sometimes But it was never, like, my favorite form of humor, Uh you know? I like more, like, funny movies with slapstick and stuff like that. Right. Pink Panther. Um, So I wanted to do something uh, stupider. Like, I really (laughs)
0: like... That's so too weird description. (laughs) <laughs> you want to do something uh, stupider. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, you'll hear that more from, like, urban crowds. Like, they'll hear a certain type of joke, and they're just like, that's stupid. But they're, like, cracking up at the same time. Uh-huh. I think that's probably, you know, the best example of that. And so, like, I'm that's what I like. Like, the stupider it is, the funnier it is to me. Okay. And so... I don't know that I was trying to think of the stupidest thing that I could say (laughs) as the first thing I say when I get on stage. Okay. But just for whatever reason, that question popped into my head. And like growing up, I had this friend and we'd hang out, but we'd never know what to do when we were hanging out. Uh So it'd just be like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know, maybe ride bikes or something like that. And then, Do you want to watch a movie? I don't know. What do you want to do? You know, it would always be like that. And, um, so I think that it kind of came from that too. Okay. And then I was just like, how dumb would it be if I go up there and do that and then just wait for them to say what they want to do and then just do that, you know? And just kind of like riff from, from that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
1: Right. Not even necessarily riff, but just, well, yeah, I guess riff. If if they say they don't want to laugh, then my assumption is that they don't that they want to do whatever they said that wasn't laughing. Uh-huh. So, oh, okay, we'll we'll do that then, you know? Uh-huh. And then I started doing it, and then I noticed that when there were people who wanted to heckle, um, they would pretty much always do it right away because that was their opening to do it. yeah. And I liked that because then it wasn't like I would start doing my act and then think everything was cool and then somebody heckles and then it just ruins it for me. Right. Like, I knew right away how everything was going to be for the most part. I mean, not always, but... Um, so I really liked that about
0: it, too. Okay. So it kind of put you on an even keel with the audience, like, right away. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then was it... Now it feels like... When I see you do it now it's kind of gotten to this very odd uh almost like meta comedy space cuz you go up and you're like what do you guys want to do and then all the comics just start cracking up <laughs> like immediately yeah just trying to see what happens and do, do you feel like um doing that doing it in front of comics almost diminishes it a little cuz we see it and we know we we know we're waiting for someone to yell out laugh does that affect it in any way or um, Kind of, but, I mean, that's always
1: going to be there. So I think I just kind of accepted that that's just always how it's going to be. Okay. Um, Unless there happen to not be any comics at a performance.
0: That'd be interesting, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, when it's all comics, then it kind of sucks. <laughs> 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 so, depending on who it is, too. Like, some people, like they see me do it every time and then they start yelling out kind of mean stuff. Like they want to see something bad happen to me or something. Uh huh. it always makes me feel weird, but, um, you know, it's not always like that, but then people have like specific jokes that they want to hear. And then it's like, maybe I had some jokes that I wanted to work out. And then, I mean, sure. I could, I can do whatever I want. So I could do the new jokes, but I, you know, if I want to stay true to my, um, idea or whatever then I can't you know I have to
0: you have to do right what they wanted to do yeah okay okay has it ever like has it ever got like backfired or gotten you into any kind of trouble any kind of difficulty
1: um sure like I think the first like major thing that happened was one time I did this show down in uh, the city of Gustine okay and I well, guess it's not really a city it's a town but Um, I did a show there and I asked them what they wanted to do and it just like turned into this, like, I don't know, it was just totally out of hand. Like the crowd was just all talking to each other and yelling things at me that they wanted to do and none of it was the same thing. Okay. And so it was totally unmanageable, you know, uh, And then, you know, other comics that were on the show and um, had put the show together were getting upset with me because now they knew they were going to have to go up there and deal with this. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, so they didn't have me on any more shows after that. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that particular situation, my feeling um, of it was, you know, that's just what the crowd was. And that's what they did in response to me, and that maybe it wasn't the best uh, place to have a show because of that, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't which wasn't what anybody wanted to hear. Yeah, but. You, no one wanted to. You, you didn't want to have to be the guy like, guys, look, this sucked to begin with. it yeah. wasn't me who did it. Right. It was just I just pointed it out. Yeah, I just made it clear. Okay,
1: okay. Um, so there was that, and then there was another time. That uh, I was at an open mic, and somebody said they wanted to do a body shot off of me. Okay. And for whatever reason, I I should have laid down, you know, back down, but I laid down, belly down, and they were going to do the body shot off of my back. So I felt my shirt pulled up, felt the glass put on my back, and then I f- I felt something spilled all over my back. Yeah. And then I received a wedgie. (laughs) (laughs) And a second wedgie after that. Okay. And I was just in complete shock. (laughs) And uh, I hadn't expected that at all. And uh, I got up and then just kind of slunk out the door. (laughs) Okay. Didn't go back for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. And then another time, the people said they wanted to see me strip, so I stripped.
0: (laughs) Like how matter-of-fact it is. Like, I just did that.
1: Yeah. And it it wasn't too bad, but then the guy that was headlining the show got upset with me. Because when he got up there, everybody wanted to see him strip, too. (laughs) Okay. But.
0: (laughs) Okay. So those Those are are some... uh, those are some interesting stories.
1: Yeah. Those okay. Are, those are probably the worst things that have happened.
0: Yeah. Does it normally do, – how often does it go right? Like how often does it end up with everyone has a, a cool time?
1: I think most of the time. Yeah? I mean, you know, that's just my perception. I think there's a lot of other people out there who perceive that differently. Um, I don't know. I'd say maybe like 80% of the time. Right. And then, you know, there's a the 20% of the time that it doesn't. Okay. And sometimes I think that's my fault and other times I'm just like, well, you know, whether it was in the stars or, or what, you know,
0: it was just fated not to go.
1: Yeah. Right way. And my other feeling about that too, as far as like other people's perceptions go is that I think that, you know, like every comic has bad sets, right? But I think that when people see me have a bad set, they blame it on the fact that I'm doing that weird thing uh-huh. instead of just the fact that I had a bad set.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So do you think that like, um, the, so the perception is if you didn't do the, what do you guys want to do? Like up front, then in our minds, it's like, well, then the set would have gone fine regardless. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Cause then, well, they, yeah, but then that, but yeah. So the question opens up the audience in a way that just jokes might not be able to do. So instead of having a a like a hot either a good set or a bad set, you could either have the set that you were going to have with a, what do you want to do, or you could have a mediocre. They don't respond to anything set, right? Which would be better? I don't know. <laughs> 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 okay, that's interesting. Um, I was talking to, uh, Robert Barry about how you did the What Do You guys Want to Do at Cobbs.
1: Oh, yeah. How'd that go? Well, I've performed
0: there, what, three or four times? Yeah. And... What, was it like, I was under the impression it was like an audition type show.
1: Yeah, it always is. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, well, I don't know, I think because of that, then probably the first few times I performed there, I felt like more pressure, so I wasn't as comfortable right um and even the last time I did, I wasn't, and I think that's the time he was talking about um the first few times, like it was fine it, uh I didn't do particularly well, but it all worked, you know, uh-huh um but the last time I went uh I mean this is like a crowd of probably. I don't know. It looked like two hundred people. Oh, that's that's a big. That's at place. least the
0: whole main floor. Yeah, right. That's a lot of people. Yeah,
1: okay. there's always a, a huge crowd in there, but they're. I mean, it's a big place too, so. Um, it doesn't seem like people are just all packed together, right? Really. But, um, anyway, so. Nobody said anything. Okay. <laughs> right away, and then eventually somebody sort of like some some timid person sort of ventured that they wanted to drink so i was like okay well um why don't you guys drink then does everybody have something to drink and so i kind of went around the room and made sure everybody had something and not everybody did (laughs) (laughs) so i was like well you guys should probably get something and then uh you know, they, they, I don't think anybody actually got anything if they didn't already have something. Okay. Um, and then there were some people that, uh, there was a couple and they had, uh, they each had a beer and I was like, how come you guys aren't drinking your beers? And the, the guy picked up his beer and went like that. <laughs> there wasn't anything in it. It was oh. empty. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, well, it looks like you guys need some, uh, need some new beers And he kind of made a sort of frustrated motion that he was kind of waiting for the waitress to come around and get one. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, I I wish there was something I could do to help you, but I don't think I can. And then at some point, somebody yelled out, tell a joke. And I was like, you want to tell a joke? (laughs) (laughs) Because I always have to... I, I don't want to put myself in a situation where people are calling out commands to me. Yeah. So it's got to be, uh, you tell me what you want to do. And then I'm the guy that comes in to help you do that. Yeah. So if they you know? say
0: tell a joke in your mind, it's okay. You want to tell a joke,
1: right? That's the answer to my question. What do you want to do? Yeah. Tell a joke.
0: So, yeah. So then logically, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right.
1: Um, but then nobody responded after that. It was just totally quiet. Lots of awkward silences. Okay. At one point, I was just kind of looking around, and, and you know, people said they wanted to drink, right? So that's in my mind. And I see all these people staring at me. <laughs> so I'm like, well, what are you guys all looking at me for? You know, <laughs> why, don't you, <laughs> why don't you look at that drink right there? <laughs> you know, no laughs, really. <laughs> okay. But, so it's just very awkward. And, uncomfortable and
0: how long did you have to be up there for uh
1: about uh six six or seven minutes Ooh, okay yeah.
0: that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a long time to be yeah. in an awkward silence and cops <laughs> yeah i mean i would say something here and there here and there but but nothing ever like not material right really. okay. Yeah. okay okay so all right That's, that's great. That sounds like a, did that have like a backlash? Was there like a negativity from like Cobbs or the venue in any way from that? Or was it always like, no, we knew what we were getting ourselves into.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they knew, but, um, I think there's a, a feeling that, you know, they want to use that time for people who are serious, you know, to do auditions and stuff like that. Right. And so, you know, they don't want me coming in there and, and wasting everybody's time Okay. doing that. Because it's not, I mean, it is what it is and it's not, like, what they want for, you know, to put on their shows. Right. So, um. you know, it's fun to go down there and do that once in a while, but, you know, it's probably not something I could do more than, like, once a year or something like that.
0: Right. Just to, like, be... Uh like, the typical, like, progression of the host feature for the club path. Right. Does that interest you? Is that something that you that you think about, like, trying to pursue? Um, it
1: does. Um, but I still kind of want to do it my way. I don't know that I would ask, like, what do you guys want to do as a host? I don't think that's necessarily appropriate. Yeah. Um... You know, because, I mean, it's such a different thing that it draws too much attention away from the rest of the show, kind of.
0: Right, I get that. Yeah.
1: Um, But I still want to do it in my own way, not necessarily the way that, um, you know, clubs or people would want, but in a way that I think would work. Uh You know, but I just, I guess it's more of a question of, like, finding a club that would allow me to do that. Hmm. And I don't know if that exists or not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you go that that route. You just, you make your own club. Yeah. <laughs> <Like> you buy <laughs> a building and you just, I'm going to do it myself. Right. Might work. Okay. Well, that's it. That's interesting. How long have you been, how long have you been doing like comedy? Like how long how, have you been active in the scene?
1: Uh, a little over 10
0: years. Okay. Okay. That's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of
1: goes by eventually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How how is uh how has the scene like changed over that course of time? Cuz I've only been in it for for a year and it's pretty much all I know, but the the common theme from people is like it's different, like now it's really different than the way it used to be even a couple years ago.
1: Yeah. Um I think I mean, if you just kind of look at like the history of the Sacramento comedy scene, which I don't know all of, but you know, obviously there was the eighties, at which time I think there were three laughs Unlimited locations. Really? Yeah, there was one in Old Sac. There was another one in Rancho Cordova, and then there was one. There was one somewhere else. I don't remember exactly where. And then I think the Punchline didn't open until the early nineties.
0: So it was right. kind of like so. Yeah. So then the late eighties, like comedy craze in Sacramento, there were three, at least three clubs, and then Punchline, early nineties, when it was starting to die down mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay.
1: And then um, the guy that owned Laughs Unlimited sold it to um, another guy, and then those other two. I don't know when those other locations closed, but you know, then they just had the one location and so and then so that was it there was no comedy spot then uh-huh. i mean there was but it was just a little improv um studio shack on broadway right and they didn't really do any stand up there for a long time they started to towards the end of that location before they moved but right um so everything was pretty much centered on laughs unlimited because You know, the punchline was still kind of the situation where you would have to go down to San Francisco to be able to get into that club. Right. And so, Laughs Unlimited had an open mic every week. Oh, okay. And I, that was like, I went to that, and then there were a few other ones around town that I found out about. Um, And, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, it... It's changed in that respect. I don't know um, how it's changed. and I mean, the people have changed. There's still a few of the peop- people that are the same. Like, you know, Mike Winfield was always around then, and yeah. he's still around. And and uh, I think you used to see him more often then. Uh-huh. But... Yeah, I don't know. And then for a brief time, the guy that used to own Laughs Unlimited opened up his own comedy club for maybe a year or so. Okay. Also, an old sack. Really. Well, he didn't like what I don't I don't know. He didn't like what the people had done with Laughs Unlimited, and I think they had had a falling out. Okay. I think I think what happened was he sold it to these other people, and then he stayed on there as a producer. But then they didn't get along, and they kicked him out, and he didn't own it anymore. So then he opened an, a competing club right. out of spite. Right. A little oh, bit, yeah. Okay. I think mostly out of spite, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that must have been in- interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I liked
1: the new club, and then Laughs Unlimited wasn't interested in what I was doing. And and the new one that he, he opened, like he seemed to kind of be interested in what I was doing. I wasn't doing the what do you guys want to do thing then. Um. You know, still doing that paper thing, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I don't know. They liked it over there, so I, I went there and, uh, but eventually it just you know, went under. So Okay. You know,
0: but. And then, and then after some time, it kind of leveled out to kind of the, more or less how the scene is now. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I had no idea that there were so many clubs here at one point. Yeah. That blows me away. Uh I feel like there's a lot of uh like local comedy history that exists that that no one really has access to. Just like people coming through. I didn't know Brian Posehn was from here for a long time. Yeah, so very recently. <laughs> it kind of makes it seem like a small world to do comedy in this just in general. Cuz then you find out, oh, there was that person who who came through here. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I don't know. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. Um so let me ask this. A lot of your jokes, they tend to be kind of these um in the event that someone does say they want to laugh. Um a lot of your jokes do tend to be kind of like these short, short little like like one-liner almost kind of jokes or like like jokey like more jokier jokes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, uh, Dorian Foster talks about this joke you have about the, like, your car will be towed. Yeah. Yeah. And it like, kind of, like, weird... So like, what's the, what's the process for you for coming up with, with jokes like that? Or is there a process? Is it something you just kind of talk out? Um, I don't know. Like, plays on words just pop into my head a lot. Yeah.
1: And so, a lot of it comes from that. Okay. And then... Somehow, I don't know those those little plays on words sometimes like trigger other th- thoughts, and then maybe I'll build a story on like the play on words right, and then it's fun to like set up this story you know that people might think is going somewhere, but then it ends up just being like a pun at the <laughs> end. <laughs>
0: it's like all that build up for
1: yeah. <laughs> So, I think a lot of it is like that. And then I'll have, like, real stories that happen. Uh Uh-huh. But then, like, one of my favorite things to do with stories is just to, like, have it get worse and worse and worse as the story goes on. Okay. And then still end up with a pun.
0: Oh, like the story gets more out there or more absurd or more more gross, and then it's just, it's working towards the pun at the end. Okay. I don't
1: know, because then it ends up sort of being like a slapstick type of joke as you're picturing it in your imagination, you know?
0: Okay, okay. That's interesting. So it's like you build you build up all this, uh, basically all this stuff around the outside to end with this kind of like little, just a really small thing is what the whole joke is actually building towards. Right. Even though you've built up all this emotion around the outside of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So it's like none of that other stuff even even mattered really.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, like the um I think of the the one bit you've been doing a lot lately like uh like my mom made a really big dinner. Right. Yeah, that right. whole every time you do that joke I'm like I know what it's ending <laughs> with, but it's just just a small thing to end with. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So okay, so you said growing up the the things that really like intrigued you Comedically, we were like, like comic movies, but like slapstick comedy movies. Like, um, I think you mentioned the Pink Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, like Dumb and Dumber, like things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love Jim Carrey. Okay. Um, Marx Brothers, Charlie Chaplin, um,
0: like the Three Stooges.
1: You know, I never watched those because you know my parents didn't really let me watch movies. Really? Until I was like twelve. Why didn't they let you watch movies? Um, because they didn't want me to grow up being influenced by them. <laughs> they wanted me, to, and you know, okay. they wanted me to be outside and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was why. And then, my mom never liked the Three Stooges, and my dad, I don't think, did either. So, you know, it was you know, it was all controlled by what they wanted and what they wanted to see. So, you know, they like Charlie Chaplin and, and the Marx Brothers more. Okay. And then I saw some like Abbott and Costello and then um Laurel and Hardy stuff too. Uh-huh. But uh yeah. So that's what I started with and then everything else was on top of that.
0: Okay. Okay. What what was the uh but no like major like a stand up type influence it's more, it was more like that aspect. How did you get into wanting to do like open mic single person on stage comedy because it seems like the the transition from that to to being on stage by yourself is kind of odd because that was that my lo- the logic I would say is like that would lead to sketch or that would lead to improv. Or just, like, screenwriting in general and, and comic acting. Not so much single person on stage telling jokes, really. Like, yeah. how, did, how did that transition occur?
1: I think because... Um, well, I was always a, a pretty shy kid. Right. Like, I'm still kind of shy. But um, up until, like, I started going through puberty, so, like, when I was around 12 like it, whenever I did school plays and we did school plays cause I went to Waldorf and you know, they do that. Um, they're
0: fancy liberal education.
1: Yeah. Need to have the arts. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I would always like be super shy, like performing, um, in those plays. So you could barely hear me at all. Maybe, okay. even sometimes I'm still kind of quiet, but, um, like you, you couldn't hear anything I was saying and I wouldn't put anything into it. But then as soon as I turned I turned 12, that completely changed, and we did a, a school play, and I was given a comedic role in the play, and I just, like, I don't know if it's just in my head or what, but I felt like, to a certain extent, I kind of stole the show because, uh, you know, I was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, like, brag, really, but... I was,
0: I'm the funniest kid at this middle school right now. Yeah, that's, that's what it felt like. Yeah, okay. Okay. And then,
1: so the following year, we did another play, and I also got to have a really funny role, and I did the same thing. And then um, in eighth grade, uh, we did uh, *Midsummer Night's Dream*. Yeah, and I played the wall. You know, another another funny role, and so I just found that I really liked sort of being the center of attention, and doing these funny roles like that. So I think okay. that's where it came from: is that I wanted it all focused just on me, and not to be sharing it in a group. But I like doing <laughs> <laughs> I like to do improv too, you know, cuz it's fun to work with other people. So,
0: right. You know. Okay. So, it was kind of like um so there's a the philosophical bent towards how the how the material comes together is more you would find that influence in like these comic movies, but the actual desire to be on stage telling jokes is more rooted in I just want attention, yeah <laughs> were you did you did you crave like did you crave attention when you were a kid in other ways, or was it just was it just this aspect of it that opened your eyes to I kind of want that
1: uh like I used to joke around in class and stuff at school, yeah um so i guess I guess that was another way that I tried to get attention, okay. Um and that would get me in trouble sometimes. Really?
0: Yeah. How oh, so? Just the crack your friends up in class. You you go in the corner now type type trouble.
1: Yeah, and then just like saying and doing inappropriate things <laughs> to try to, you know, get a laugh or, you know, get people to pay attention to me. Okay. Okay. So
0: Okay. So what uh, here's here's another another kind of like good like logical question I have. What is the overall uh Stephen Ferris comedy goal or is there one? Um
1: I don't know. I think that would be a really helpful thing for me to figure out.
0: <laughs> 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 okay. So there's no there's no clear like like end game it's it's right now it's just the the way you guys want to do and then see what happens
1: yeah because I, i feel like i know what i like to do but i don't know if i see what the path is or if i've figured myself out enough as a person okay to really know how to use what i have to get where i want to go right
0: you know okay so you're still trying to figure out the what tools you have available, yeah, to give to people, yeah, to help them. Okay, but there's no like logical like, I want to have this next step. I want to have this next step.
1: Yeah, not really, because I I just uh, I don't know if I see it. Okay. No. Uh,
0: you just don't don't feel it out yet.
1: Um. I don't know. Uh. I don't know how to answer that, okay, <laughs> I think about it a lot, but i
0: yeah, it is kind of rough when when you're doing something where the where like the path is not obvious, mm-hmm, you know because I would think that like a comic who does the more like just go up and hey, how are you guys doing that that kind of thing they their path that makes more sense than a path of. I'm going to open it. Like, every every time you go on stage, you kind of do this. You do something that is kind of... I get nervous when I want you to do the what do you guys want to do thing because every time I see... Anytime I, I see anything where you open it up to the crowd, not just you or anybody, like, I actually get, like, nervous because I'm like, it's to my mind, like, it's hard enough to make people laugh when you have control over it but then to see someone give that away like there's something about that aspect of it that I think is like runs r- runs into like making the path seem un- unusual cuz like there are comics who do make their way purely through crowd interactions but I don't think in the way that, that you actually do it it's kind of like a unique sort of thing like I don't know of any exact analogs in stand up that do exactly what you do whereas the the more traditional comedy path is like, it makes sense. Like, Oh, I'll be, I'll work to be a host and then I'll work to be a feature and then I'll work the road and then kill myself. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> so your, your direction is like, it's like, um, not been done. Right. I feel.
1: And I can't put it all in that because uh, obviously if you look around, you'll see, I have lots of distractions in my life. But- <laughs>
0: Make it difficult. It's like a distraction cave.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's difficult for me to focus on just that. But I I think that um, at the end of the day, that's probably the most important thing to me. The so, comedy thing? Yeah. So maybe as I age, then I'll be able to work towards focusing on that better than I do now.
0: Okay. So you think it's kind of like a youthful that you don't know quite <laughs> what you want to do yet. <laughs> That's kind of interesting yeah. <laughs> to me. Where your whole, the, the whole act is built on what do you guys want to do, but then you ask yourself that question and you have no fucking idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's something kind of poetic there. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> One of these days, Stephen, you're going to have to face yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, man. Well, shit, uh i feel like i feel like this is a good uh, this is a good one this is okay. a good interview did you have a okay time
1: i did definitely you did yeah.
0: okay man well um thanks a lot for for doing this i love seeing you perform uh you're 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 one of the good ones <laughs> um, thanks i feel the same way about you <laughs> thank you man i appreciate Truthfully, it yeah um, yeah well, thanks for doing this steven i appreciate it dude right. thank you yeah. all right folks that's been the show thank you for listening to it i really appreciate it I have been Jojo Lewis. You just listened to Stephen Ferris. You can check him out on what do you guys want to do.com. If you want to get at me, you can get at me on Twitter at Bucky Gums. You can also like our Facebook page, The Liquor Lamp Podcast with Jojo Lewis. You can just search for it. Uh, our, you can get our get the app on Stitcher. It's the easiest way to have control over us. Also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Every little bit helps. Next week on the show, I'm talking to Mike E. Winfeld. You might know him from being on Letterman. He's got a show on Logo. He was on The Office, whatever. So that's next week. I'm Jojo Lewis. Have a good one. Told you this would work.